Welcome to the Globig Podcast, where we talk to international expansion experts from around the world to make it faster and easier for you to take your business global. Hello, I'm your host, Anka Corbin, the founder and CEO of Globig. Today's hot topic is all about tax considerations when selling overseas. And our guest today is Chris Stroh. He's an international tax manager at Ide Bailey, one of the top accounting firms in the United States. Chris, I want to welcome you and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Anki. Pleasure to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you're doing at Ide Bailey. Absolutely. As you mentioned, uh, with your kind introduction, I am an international tax manager with Bailey. So what that means is I help both U.S. and foreign companies and individuals with any kind of uh, what I would call international tax matters. The U.S. tax system is uh, complicated unto itself. And when you layer in any sort of international tax or international operations, there are additional considerations that you're going to need. And that's where I help work on. Fantastic. Yeah. So let's let's kind of lay the groundwork. All right. So you're a business. You we're going to primarily do probably the U.S. perspective when going overseas. But you've got a company. You're thinking it's a perfect time to go overseas, and you've got all these things to really think about. And and of course, one of those areas that you know a lot of companies frankly, overlook and aren't even really that aware of is that there are quite a few tax considerations as well when you go abroad. So what let's, you know, let's talk a little bit about what some of those considerations are, especially around compliance and filing tax returns and that sort of thing. So now you're, you're going overseas. Most of the time, U.S. companies think about Canada or the U.K. So let's let's start with Canada. Canada is probably the most common country that U.S. companies expand into first. What does that mean for you know tax return filings? Perfect. So let's, as you mentioned, I just want to frame this discussion around largely around the filing obligations. It's as you can imagine, this is a broad topic that can cover that can that can cover a lot of. Uh, nuanced areas. And so one of the areas we find a lot of clients strip up on is really just the compliance and getting their tax returns filed that they need to. So as you mentioned, let's take the example of looking into Canada. First of all, there are several different ways you can you can enter, let's say, the Canadian market. You can either go into selling from the U.S., you could establish an entity there, or you can uh, partner with someone in Canada. So each of these ways will offer different tax compliance risks and obligations depending on uh, your touch points therein. In general, in the US, you will have tax compliance obligations as well for your operations that are going on in Canada. And not all of them are outwardly apparent. Uh, The US often requires certain information reporting, which we can maybe touch on a little bit later, that uh, you may or may not have to comply with, and the rules are very tricky around that, as you can imagine. There's no reason anyone can pay tax anybody, unfortunately. In addition, foreign jurisdictions may require, in Canada specifically, uh, goods and services taxes to be paid and registered for the activities that are going on in Canada. So these are just things you just want to keep, uh, keep certainly maybe not in the front of your mind, but be aware of as you're starting consideration looking into going into a foreign jurisdiction, such as Canada. 
when when you go when you think about going into Canada, you know how do companies typically approach it? So you know again they're not necessarily aware that there really are all these differences. Do they just kind of go and do business and then hope that everything works out and then try to do things retroactively or? Often that's what we see. Often someone finds an opportunity. They're approached by a, a potential client in Canada for their either their service or or their good, whatever they're trying to do. And, and, and let's just not make this Canada specific. It, totally, as you mentioned, it could be UK, anywhere in Europe, it could be Mexico. Uh, clients often come in from, from all over the place if they find something that uh, you're doing that they want. So oftentimes they're approached and no thought is actually given and things typically go fairly quickly. So let's say you're providing services and should you be providing services in Canada, you will be on the ground in Canada. And, the, and, and, and I would stress that uh, before doing that, you give a little bit of consideration to the tax compliance obligations therein. Once you start setting foot in a foreign country or even uh, shipping goods into a foreign country, there are some uh, filing obligations that you will later have to deal with, be it, as I mentioned, the goods and services tax, or even just general income tax consideration. And are these filing considerations in that country that we're talking about? Because the GST applies to Canada, but are those, or are those filings in the U.S. or both? So once, once you've made a sale, say, in Canada, um, there are generally no immediate filing obligations, either in Canada or the U.S., but kind of year-end summarized filing obligations. So from a U.S. perspective, should you just be selling into Canada with no, with no real, uh, let, let's call it entity setup or no real touch point on the ground in Canada, there's not much you have to do from a U.S. filing application definition. There could be, depending on how you are set up, additional information filing requirements in the U.S. Beyond that, there are withholding tax obligations sometimes remitting, say, payments to Canada, or even if payments were coming in from Canada, there may be withholding obligations out of Canada to you that may require some form of uh, a compliance obligation therein. So these are just, you know, additional myriad considerations that should be paid ideally at the outset. But as you mentioned, clients just tend to move forward. Business moves at the speed of Right. And, that's just, and that's just what happened. So should you find yourself in a situation where you've got a contact with someone and you're doing some, some work there, and you've made the sale and you've delivered the goods and, and everything seems uh, copacetic, it would be advisable to reach out to perhaps an advisor or spend some time yourself just taking a quick look at some of the risks and obligations that may arise based upon what you're doing or some filing consideration. It's so much easier to solve the problem at the beginning or near beginning than it is uh, after the fact. I imagine so. You know, the two types of, you know, the two ways, like you said, it's kind of business going into a country I see is one is you just, like you said, you have this opportunity and you just sell, but you don't really have a person there. Or you don't have an entity there. You're just going to um, work with them and then you'll decide whether strategically you want to expand. Let's talk a little bit about some of the requirements and risks if you don't do that at that level. And then the other one is, okay, we really like this market. We're gonna put somebody in there. We're gonna 
Were you aggressive? And, you know, what are some of the things that you want to think about at that point? Because those seem to be the most common two. Obviously, there's lots of others as well, but. Yeah, no, I I, I definitely follow what you're saying. So let's just start with, let's just start with the the point where uh, a a customer's come to you from overseas and they want to uh, establish a contract with you. Let's just, you know, we, we can, we can, uh, let me give my blanket, it depends answer for everything. It depends on exactly what it is that you're doing, what you're selling, are you providing your service or, or your product? So everything depends. So everything is fact dependent upon what is happening actually. So let's just make a simple example of services. Let's say you're a, you're a service provider, someone uh, contacts you, they want your services <clears throat> in Canada and from, from you provided here in the US. So you would uh, arguably have to determine, are you going to be on the ground in Canada at any point? Do you need to make a visit there or can all services be provided from the U.S.? When you have such a light touch as, say, a phone call or providing services over the Internet to to Canada, there aren't a lot of U.S. filing obligations, which is is good. Um, That being said, it's easy to stumble when, as you grow, you start making visits to Canada or you start hiring people in Canada, as you mentioned, uh, as a way to start having people on the ground. Then you start having touch points, touch points in foreign countries where one, the foreign country might decide you uh, need to face income taxes here in that country. In order to pay income taxes, you often have to make filing obligations as well. Or two, there are information filing obligations to suggest that hey, I don't have to pay taxes in this country, but I need to protect some of my uh, uh, downside of some of these uh, some of these filing obligations in case it's later found out that I did have to file there. Certainly in the U.S., oftentimes when people come into the country, um, they are they're allowed to file a protective return. And, and I think this works going outside the U.S. as well, saying, hey, um, I'm doing business here, but it is not uh, it is not business that is being conducted actually in the country for example my services are providing being provided from the u.s thus i'm not taxable here so here's my form saying i am not taxable here but in case you decide that i am taxable uh, i should be allowed all the benefits that uh, a resident taxpayer would have okay that makes sense now what about the second so you're saying once you kind of hit that threshold and, and a good advisor can help you probably identify that because I imagine we're not always that great about knowing what exactly that fine line is. Well, and that's right. Ideally, you know, I'll toot, I'll toot my own horn and everybody else who works with me horn here just for a second. A good advisor, whether it's me or anyone else, is going to really help smooth this process and certainly take away some of the risk and some of the I think one of the biggest one of the biggest uh, difficulties of going overseas is just what I would almost call the fear factor of the unknown. Am I doing everything I need to be doing? And typically, you as a business person don't have the capacity to certainly know or explore every eventuality that may hit you. So, having having a, a good trusted advisor up front who can at least shepherd some of these uh, some of these more technical issues for you. Um, certainly mitigates a lot of the risks and hopefully helps you sleep a little bit better at night as well. 
So as you discussed, as we grow, as, as you want to do more work in this foreign jurisdiction, the U.S. Uh, filing obligations are also going to increase for you. As you have a bigger footprint over in a, in a foreign jurisdiction, say you establish an entity or you have a sales office, the U.S. wants to know what activities are happening in that foreign jurisdiction because the U.S. taxes on a worldwide basis presently. So they want to know uh, where your money's coming in from all over the world. So what they want to know is tell me how that foreign operation is doing. Give me the books and records effectively through a form you have to report and i'll, I'll be I'll, I'll be mr tax tech tax technician here throw out a couple forms that may or may not have to be filed specifically should you have a foreign corporation that you've established in this in this new jurisdiction for you uh, form 5471 information reporting for the foreign corporation you could have a form 8865 which is information reporting for a foreign partnership, should you obstruct the business of a partnership. Further, should this be a foreign disregarded entity, which would be the equivalent of the US LLC, uh, single member US LLC, you'd have a form 8858. Beyond that, should you transfer money outside the US to help fund your operations in a foreign jurisdiction, there's a form 926, which reports your transfer of this money to a foreign corporation. These are just a few of the forms, some of the more prevalent forms that you would have to attach to your U.S. tax return annually. They all come with the risk of penalty for not filing. Typically, they don't create any additional tax obligation here in the U.S., but like I mentioned, the U.S. wants to know what's going on in there. So in case there is an opportunity for them to tax and make sure that you're paying the proper amount of tax in the U.S., they have a, they have a roadmap, roadmap which they require and I don't want to be, I don't, I would be remiss not to mention foreign bank accounts. Obviously, if you're doing business in a foreign jurisdiction, you'll have an entity there. You arguably have a foreign bank account to do business locally. There is uh, it, certainly in the last several years increased reporting obligations with respect to those foreign bank accounts. And certainly the penalties for, for non compliance are fairly high. So just paying attention to the fact that you have these. These, these accounts and that there is some filing obligation uh, you're already ahead of it. So we had talked about, you know, how companies just jump in and don't really slow down and, you know, you've got this business going and it's it's working really nicely and then all of a sudden you realize that you have been conducting business overseas maybe even for several years now and you haven't really thought about kind of these different reports. What can you do about that? You know, like what's the what's the right approach? Can it be done retroactively? You know, is it is it like oh, it's just over with? Let's just do it correctly going forward. You know, what's the right way to think about this? So the right way to think about it is to uh, what I would say come in from the cold, and you want to. I think for from a U.S. perspective, should you have had some of these filing obligations that you didn't make? Because let's face it. You can't know everything that you're supposed to, supposed to be doing out there, despite what the uh, IRS believes you're supposed to know. So, so you've got you, you've got these forms you didn't file for years past. Let's say you've been operating for a few years, and you've got this compliance obligation that you did not meet. The the U.S. is not so punitive that they that they will penalize you no matter what. Uh, to be specific, the penalty exists, and because you're late, they will attempt to apply it. 
a lot of these forms and the penalties associated with them also come with reasonable cause explanations that you can give to the IRS that would allow them to abate the penalty. They understand that you are not a tax professional and these things are challenging. So they, they do offer this ability for taxpayers to waive a lot of the penalties uh, so long as they are coming in and becoming compliant uh, once they become aware of their requirement to do so. So there are ways to do it. They, they, there are specific methods for how they are done. And again, having an advisor help you with that really increases your chance of the IRS uh, believing you and uh, taking your reasonable cause explanation into account for reduction of any potential uh, non-filing penalties. So that makes sense from a U.S. perspective. What about the foreign countries you're in or country you're in? How do they usually um, handle this sort of, oh, yeah, we just didn't know or we didn't slow down enough to worry about it sort of approach? Uh, obviously, it depends on the country, uh, A number one, and some are more friendly than others in that perspective. But certainly it is advisable, again, to come in from the cold so how the IRS would use it. And you would need to use an on-the-ground on local or someone who knows the tax laws to, to really manage that process and, and work your way through it. Really, uh, the downside of not coming in from the cold is the potential risk and eventuality that, say, the IRS or the foreign tax authority finds out that you've not been making these compliance obligations. That's when trouble can really, really begin. Certainly in the U.S., there are uh, soft. I believe there are softer ways that the U.S. comes in in, in providing a, a letter and a notice to you, uh, such as an IRS audit, for that matter, and, and just determining if you've made all your compliance obligations or not, asking the questions. Overseas, I've seen stories where the police will come in and start seizing assets and start seizing files uh, in your in, in your business uh, to prevent you from from moving anything around uh, in order to start understanding what your filing position should have been and your tax obligations should have been if you've not been compliant. So certainly the, the downsides can be can be very big. And the point being uh, you want to be you want to be as forthcoming as possible, as early as possible in most in almost all circumstances to avoid the true punitive difficult penalties that, that may apply. And when I talk penalties, these are both civilly and criminally, both in the U.S. and abroad, that could apply depending on, obviously, the facts behind your noncompliance. So it's not just the company. You as an individual, if you're um, working for the company, you need to realize that there's some risk for you. And so anytime you're all thinking, oh, you know what, this is not that big a deal, it actually could become a big deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Become a big deal. Now, certainly the liability may exist from, from a financial perspective at the corporate level in the U.S., um, but oftentimes these tax returns are signed under penalty of perjury by an actual person at that, at that company, and that person takes on a certain amount of liability with respect to the, the, uh, what they put in these returns, or in this instance, not put in the returns. Yes. So it's... Almost like going to the, or you haven't gone to the dentist for a while and you're afraid of what they're going to tell you, but when in fact the both sides, the governments are really willing to work with you for the most part and you're better off 
being current and compliant and you'll have all of your paperwork in order. And yeah, I, I would say that's a really good example uh, of going to the dentist because uh, as an analogy, if the IRS comes to you, that's more like you're having a toothache at that point. That's so, right. You've already, you're, you're, you've already missed your window to, to get the problem taken care of painlessly. Well, let's not say painlessly, but less pain anyway, certainly. Um, anytime you're dealing with the IRS, it's probably not uh, a, a non-painful event. And I, I would almost concur, concur the same for the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. At least that, that's what came to mind is like, you can't wait on some of these things until the, you have the acute pain, right? Just and, go ahead and, and take you, care of it. And, you know, we've had a lot of clients come in, like I said, come in from the cold. You know, it, it's generally through no fault of their own that they're in this situation. These, these laws and these rules are certainly not easy to understand. And they're not your frontline business, quite frankly, right. to understand all the rules and regulations you need to go through. So it, you know, perhaps there's a level of embarrassment or maybe your, your current CPA or tax advisor is not, not known all the rules behind that. And that's, that's something we see commonly as well. These are not unforgivable sins and oftentimes they can, they can be fixed. There are instances where things uh, may not be so factually good and you may not be so factually innocent. And in those situations, uh, arguably, you would need uh, some really good advice on how to proceed to get right as well. Should, should, should something untoward been happening through all the years? Um, there are ways to get around this, but they, they, they all require coming in before the IRS decides they want to come for you. So with iBailey and your international team, you can come alongside, because one of the things you had just mentioned is your current CPA may not have the expertise to walk you through this. So, so really that's where you can come in and come alongside them and really be that expert globally. Is that? That's, absol that's absolutely correct. Yes. I'm we uh, at I Bailey do partner with a lot of other firms and certainly individuals or corporations to help them help walk through a lot of these, uh, I would call it the international minefield. We, uh, we partner with firms around the world through our HLB network who help us in other jurisdictions when we don't have the expertise therein, um, which is often the case. We are, we're U.S. tax experts. The U.S. has international tax rules unto themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's generally where we, it, as I Bailey U.S., provide uh, provide our assistance. Uh, as I've mentioned, we've helped many many clients uh, come in and and get uh, get right with the IRS, for lack of a better word. Um, we also help a lot on the front end with planning and preparation and making sure all your T's are crossed and your I's are dotted uh, when it comes to tax matters. Well, there's probably a lot of savings and a lot of not just headaches, but, you know, just in general cost savings if you can be strategic versus reactive as well. Well, it's always been my experience and position that um, doing it right up front is cheaper than getting right at the end. Right. That makes sense and to me. So, so that's, that, that, that's something we're always just trying to implore clients is should you have any question at all, just ask the, just, just come ask and, and you know, we can certainly provide at least some measure of guidance that either something needs to be done or nothing needs to be done. 
or that the way you're doing it is right or not right. And we can, we can be there to uh, assist on both directions. What's the best way for someone to connect with you so that they can ask these questions and see how you can navigate them through their challenges? Well, certainly you could reach out to me directly at I Bailey if you if, if you like, and I could leave that information on the podcast. Otherwise, it's just as easy to go to the I Bailey website, um, iBailey.com, E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com, and uh, you could reach out to one of our certainly our one of our partners there, and we all work as a giant team, so everything gets funneled where it needs to go appropriately. With one, so we'll uh, put those one easy contact. We'll put those resources um, as a part of the write-up for the podcast so that everyone has a way of reaching out to you. If someone wants to learn more, what are some things that you think would be helpful for them? So certainly there are uh, a myriad of resources out on the web. Some, uh, A lot of them sit behind paywalls, believe it or not, as far as the international tax uh, opportunities go. But the iBailey website itself along with our own blogs. And quite frankly, we're fairly, we're fairly prolific on posting on LinkedIn with timely international tax matters or tax matters at all. So following us through social media or, or our website directly can often provide um, some good perspective and updates on, on what is going on in the international tax world or the tax world in general. Fantastic. We'll definitely make sure that everyone can do that because you guys do. You have a great blog and you also do a lot of webinars and things that people can really learn more. I know I learn every time I listen in as well. So That's right. Thank you. Absolutely. Is there anything else that I should have asked you that I didn't have a chance to do yet? No, there's nothing you should have asked me that you shouldn't have. But I would like to say, you know, the international world can be, uh, I, I would say, a little bit scary. We've had a lot of experiences with clients who were had some trepidation, maybe stepping out into the international market when it seemed obvious that they should. They had a market for their good, and um, the unknowns are, are are scary. And certainly, talking about the compl- tax compliance risks alone are scary. And, and, and I just would like to I would just like to emphasize that these are no reasons not to go do something international. If the market exists, you should probably go after it. All these problems can be solved. They're not extraordinarily difficult. Uh, I, I, I just want to emphasize that while they may seem frightening and there seems like a lot going on, uh, getting yourself informed through an advisor, obviously such as myself or I daily, would really help uh, mitigate that and can help see you through in a relatively pain-free manner. Great advice. Chris, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and giving us your expertise. I think that's super helpful. Thank you. My pleasure. So everyone, make sure that you go to globig.co for this podcast, as well as your one-stop international expansion marketplace, where we have an abundance of free resources, training, planning tools, and vetted experts from around the world. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe so that you can get more fantastic international expansion podcasts every week. We ask you to go global and go big.